This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 259 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. This episode is sponsored by Benefab Products. This is Lindsay McCall from Jupiter, Florida. And this is Ellie Brimmer from Ann Arbor, Michigan. And you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show brought to you this week by the United States Paraquestrian Association. And we also have our producer, Glenn, with us. Welcome back, guys. We missed a month there. It's good to have you guys back. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Now, Lindsay, last time you were on the show, two months ago, you made the announcement that uh, you're going to be having a baby. So how's it all going? Everything's going well. I'm to that point where I'm I'm going horizontal now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm getting very, very big. I have a watermelon in my stomach. I am approximately almost seven months pregnant now. So <laughs> Now, Jamie, my co-host of the morning show, rode up until she was about seven months pregnant. Have you been riding? Oh, gosh, that would be amazing. Well... <laughs> I couldn't ride in seven months. I couldn't even stand on my own two feet this like last few days. <laughs> I think your balance really changes um, when you're riding. So I think just the whole balance of being pregnant, I, I don't know if I, c- I could do it, but I will be going home to Ohio for a little while, and I'll be I'll, maybe I'll try some more out. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> you know, uh, Jamie, actually, she did do that. And it, the most amazing story is Jessica Phoenix, the eventer out of Canada. She mm-hmm. rode until uh, about a week before she had the baby. And awesome. she was in a two-star event three weeks after having the baby. So that's wow. just wow. crazy. <laughs> it's just crazy. Wow. We still pick on her that, about that. <laughs> I'm going to be thinking about that after I give birth. I'm going to be yeah. thinking that is, that is how I'm going to get, <laughs> get moving again. <laughs> I, I, that's just crazy. I mean, that's just, that is being incredibly fit beforehand and getting yes. incredibly fit very quickly after. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> wow. <laughs> not recommended by your pediatrician, though. You probably not. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't too happy about me even playing volleyball. So. No. no. <laughs> we don't tell her about horses, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys have a lot of exciting things going on in the para world right now. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah we do. We have our uh, national championship and selection trials uh, in well, pretty much coming up in less than twenty some days in Gladstone, New Jersey. So we're pretty excited mm-hmm. about that. And um, uh, I'll be there I, competing in the national championships with my new horse. So that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Ellie, what are you doing lately? Yeah, let's to yeah, prepare Ellie. Get caught up on Ellie. It's been a while since um, you've been on. Yeah, I imported a new horse from Germany in January, and um, we had about seven weeks before our first international competition together. And uh, we ended up just short of the WEG qualifying score, but um, I'm still really happy with his potential. I think he'll be a great horse for Rio. Um, So we're we're qualified for the national championships, and so we're going to go compete in that aspect. I'm really excited. Um, His name is London Swing. He's a 12-year-old Hanoverian gelding. He was a stallion until he was 10. Um, And so I think it's going to be a really fun partnership, and I'm really excited to see how it goes. That's awesome. 
That's great. Yeah. I, you know, it's really important, I think, for our riders to to go to the national championships and aim for that first before even trying for the selection trials or the Paralympics. And I think it's awesome that, that you've qualified mm-hmm. and good luck to you. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to – actually, I'm going to be um, – I'll get to see Lindsay tomorrow in person. I'm going down to Florida tomorrow afternoon for a quick weekend trip. So that'll be exciting to get out of this cold rain. I'm so sick of it. <laughs> we'll go, I'll go out to dinner, hang out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. We'll have some fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. I unfortunately will not be at selection trials or the national championship due to due to me being so pregnant at that time. Oh. So I'm going to be a little bit sad, but I'm going to be cheering everyone on. I know. We'll miss you. And we'll get at least it's so nice that Sue Sickle is stepping in and taking some photographs for us. So. At least yeah, we're pretty lucky to have her. So I, I'm so thankful that she was able to adjust her schedule for us, and cause she also does the um, able body dressage. So I'm excited mm-hmm. she'll be there. She'll get some of those photos for us, and and, and we'll have it covered. So very excited about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Um, I I wanted to do a little shout out to Holly Bergay out in California because. Recently, about two weeks ago, she um, was showing in the pre-St. George with Rubino, and um, (laughs) she got a 71% on her freestyle, and I'm pretty sure she got second place in her FEI freestyle, and I want to say Jan Ebling was first, so pretty cool for her, um, pretty cool for the paradisage world, so I was was really excited. That's always nice to see people... um crossing over into the able-bodied and doing well. Um, yeah. It's great. I'm looking forward. I have, I, um, I spent a, a winter rooming with Holly in California, and I'm looking forward to seeing her again at Gladstone. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that she's kicking butt over there at the FEI level. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I also heard mm-hmm. from some of the judges after that show that they were really impressed with Paris Dressage. So I think that is very awesome in our book. But um, I also wanted to mention that our para drivers, um, their team was selected for the um, World Driving Championships this week, and they'll be heading to England at the end of June. So I'm um, looking forward to hearing about how they do as well. Oh, excellent. I know we'll all be cheering them on. On today's show, we have... Wes Dunham, a dressage trainer from Millbrook, New York. He formerly trained one of Donna Panessa, a rider from our 2012 London team, and he currently has in contention for the 2014 World Equestrian Games Sydney Collier, a 1B rider, and Lizzie Treban, a grade 4 rider. Um, so we'll look forward to getting chatting with him and seeing how he's preparing for the selection trials. And I think it's really important to mention that, that Lizzie was a hunter-jumper rider, and she just transitioned yeah. within the last few months to Paradisage. So I know yeah. there's a lot that Wes has been working with her on with theory and um, Paradis- or with dressage theory. It's always nice to see somebody come over to the dark side. Um, <laughs> and it's good that we get new <laughs> riders going. <laughs> And uh, our second guest today is, is Kai Hunt, and he is our chef de keep of the U.S. Para Dressage team, and he's been watching our riders over the past few months, seeing how they're transitioning, and 
He's also been working really hard with the veterans program, and uh, he's doing a big veterans uh, weekend this well coming up in just a few days. And and uh, we talked to him a little bit about where he sees the team, where he sees the team going in the future, and then a little bit about the veterans as well. Well, it's been great to have Kai on the job on the job these next couple months, and we look forward to seeing what he has for for us in the future. So, Wes, you've been with Para for a number of years. You had a rider at the London Paralympics, and you have two riders that are prospects for the Normandy um, World Equestrian Games. And these are two different riders for you. You have Sydney, who's a 1B, and Lizzie, who's a grade 4. Um, how do you feel? What are the differences between coaching a lower-grade rider and higher-grade rider? Um, I find that so far there's um, not a whole lot of difference because it's not much different than training somebody at training level and someone at, let's say, pre-St. George, for instance. Uh Um, And it also goes all the way back to the amount of theory and knowledge that they have um, within dressage as a discipline. So, mm-hmm. for instance, Sydney has quite a bit of theory and knowledge with the dressage, and um, we spend a great deal of time working on application of theory. And with mm-hmm. Lynn, or Lizzie just coming out of the jumpers and the hunters, um, very gifted rider, but not with a lot of theory behind her yet. So she's been yeah. like on a crash course on the theory behind dressage and the application of it. So, but mm-hmm. as far as like the grade four versus the grade one, I tend to look at it more as the difference between, you know, a rider that's doing training level and a rider that's doing pre-St. George just because of the different movements, but then you throw Uh in the mix of it having to be a high-performance discipline for the World Equestrian Games or the Olympics, and really it's the same thing because they have to be competing at such a high level within their grade. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. For me, sure. Um, And then so your experience teaching... um, teaching these riders and working at a very high performance level. How does that, um, has that translated over to your coaching of your, any other, of your other students that are able-bodied? They, the able-bodied riders would say most definitely it has. Yeah. Um, in that I'm really particular about um, accuracy, rhythm, mm-hmm. uh, cadence of gait, uh, the horses being relaxed, soft, and following the rider, um, removing any tension in the horse um, through exercises, and um, making the riders extremely uh, intuitive as to what's going on underneath them. Mm -hmm. So Um, that's how it has definitely affected my teaching of the able-bodied riders. And I'm sure the able-bodied riders really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. And um, I know 
and with the para riders, there's always challenges. I know myself as a para rider, we're always working to try and figure things out to make things better, uh, make the aids clearer. Um, and what are some of the challenges you've faced in kind of learning to compensate um, for different things for the riders? Uh, the biggest thing that we've that I've experienced is getting the horse rider combination correct, uh, and then from from there, you know, the training aids are pretty much the same. You know, we do a lot of inside leg to outside rein, um, outside leg to inside rein, getting the horses supple, soft. And and then the lateral movements. Obviously, some people don't have arms, um, so that whip takes the place mm-hmm. of a missing limb. Or in Sydney's case, she doesn't have half the side of her body. And so then, when you go to train the horse, um, for instance, with Sydney, we have to make sure that the horse that we choose for her matches Sydney's temperament, and then. Mm-hmm. We teach the horse um, that the whip can mean a various um, amount of things, actually. It could mean yep. go forward. It could mo- mean move your the, your haunches over. It, mm-hmm. it could mean a little more activity behind. So horses are very, very smart. And if you take the time and just repetitive, kind reward they start um, picking up what you're asking them to do, even though it may not seem intuitive. It tends to be a little counterintuitive sometimes uh, for us as humans, but they really do start to understand and pick it up. Mm -hmm. So, Wes, do you ever find that there's a horse that doesn't respond to um, our aids and the aids we use with our paradressage riders? I find that there are some horses that don't respond to my age. <laughs> the able-bodied rider. Of course, of course, uh, there is horses that don't um, respond to the aids that we need for the para riders. It's 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 not any different for an able-bodied rider. You know, you really mm-hmm. have to look at the temperament and. Uh, the intelligence and the willingness to be a good dressage horse and um, want to do a job. You know, I believe all horses should have some sort of a job. It keeps them happy. It keeps them healthy. But not every horse wants to be a dressage horse or a para horse. So you just keep working through those sort of things. And you do the best you can and, you know, just continually praise them, reward them, show them the, the way, give them an out. And eventually, if they want to do that job, they just start doing it. Absolutely. And, well, um, how have you seen, you've been you've been a part of the paradisage world now for, for a while. How have you seen it change, I guess, uh, in the instance when we're talking about the specifics, the horses, the riders, and the quality of riders, especially in the U.S. Well, this year has been huge, huh? We have yeah, been, yeah, it really um, has. <laughs> it's just been like, wow, everybody listens, which was incredible, and I just cannot um, commend 
the riders and the parents that have gone out and picked horses that want to do paradressage that can compete at such a high level and the quality from last year or even the Olympics to now is just phenomenal. You go there and you watch the horses and I'm really proud because now I can say from what I've seen of the U.S. horses, 90% of them I wouldn't mind having in my own barn. It's just amazing. Mm -hmm. And I commend, you know, again, the riders and the parents and the sponsors that have made this happen. And I really feel like we can have a fighting chance at WEG. And Rio, they better look out. That's all I know. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a really fun thing to see the sport grow this year and all the new horse rider combinations come up. And now this time around, both your riders are um, are young riders. What's it like having young riders versus uh, versus the adults? It's a it's a real blessing for me. Um, the the young riders that I have with the para and also the able bodied are very dedicated to riding. They're very appreciative to have the opportunity to ride and they want to learn. And it's not every day that you get to see that in young athletes um, in this day and age. And that's just my opinion, but to have Mm -hmm. that, to be blessed with um, two pair young riders that have that mindset is, is, is just the most incredible thing. And, what it does for the adults in my barn is it gives them the chance to give their own wisdom of how they've been riding and what it's like to come up through the ranks and own horses. And they get to see, you know, a little bit of themselves when they were a kid and riding Mm -hmm. and getting to see these young riders being given opportunity and knowledge that myself included didn't get at that age. So I'm really excited for our sport because they're going to be so much further ahead than I am as an adult with my knowledge at their age. So Mm -hmm. it's really exciting. It's really um, exciting as as a, as a yeah. trainer too, just to see that, and you can give back. Mm-hmm. You're giving that back to those riders. That's wonderful. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and you know, I I can't stress enough. Um, you know, my young riders are required to be at the gym. They're required to um, give back to the community. In uh, as public speaking, they have to take classes in that and go and speak to local 4-H groups, encourage other riders to ride, to support para, to be fully rounded um, individuals. Mm -hmm. And that's just such an important part of dressage as a sport as a whole, not just para. But it's, it's definitely something that I think as trainers, with athletes that are trying to make teams in the international uh, venues that we really, especially the young rider ones, we really need to instill that upon them, that they're being given an opportunity and a chance, but they need to give back. And uh, I just wanted to say that. Mm -hmm. Now, um, 
the the national championships and the selection trials are coming up very very quickly. Um, what are yeah. your kind of final preparations going into that for your riders? Well, unlike um, when we were going to the Olympics, we were uh, this this go rounds different. We have different horses and they have different riders, and so our plans are that we start showing um, this. We obviously were in Florida. We came home, recovered. Mm-hmm. The horses are looking great. They're going well. So we're going to start this weekend, and we go every weekend right up to selection trials. Um, we have, you know, uh, a young horse that Sydney rides that is super, super talented, so he needs to be on the road seeing things, mm-hmm. and he's wonderful. And then we have Lizzie, who is gaining knowledge like a sponge, but now I need to present her time and time and time again in that dressage ring so it becomes second nature. And so that um, as she goes to make corrections, she doesn't have to think about them. It just becomes muscle Mm -hmm. memory. So that's our plan, and we'll see what happens at selection trials. But we're going to give it a good run. (laughs) I know. I look. Um, I look forward to seeing you there. Um, the same. Yeah, it'll be really fun. It's so nice. We have so few opportunities for us to get together as a group, and it's um, it's very exciting that um, I know Sydney is in very close contention for one of the the team spots, and it's been nice to see her develop as a rider over these past couple years. So, Wes, you were talking about how it's really important to keep one of your horses on on the show schedule and keep Sydney out there. And I know Sydney just went to a horse show and she used the grant from the Jonathan Wentz Memorial Scholarship Fund. And I, I wanted to hear kind of your input on that because that was pretty exciting for her to, to win. Yes. Um, so, this, with Sydney's horse having a, her original horse, um, that we purchased as a prospect for Rio and he was doing phenomenal last year and way past what we expected of him, which was, has been a great thing. He had a little hiccup in um, his, his program and had to have some time off. So Sydney um, has a, a friend of Kai Hans that, lent her a horse in Texas, and then one of my customers here in New York um, bought a new horse, and Sydney has use of that horse. And so she has this interesting, wonderful problem where she has one horse on the East Coast and one horse on the West Coast. And, um, you know, it's a struggle financially for her parents, but thanks to the John and Wentz, um program, she was able to go to the West Coast this last weekend and compete the horse um, in Texas that she's bringing to selection trials. And she ended up reserved FEI freestyle champion, which was just a great thing for her and a wonderful Mm -hmm. boost going into selection trials. That's wonderful. That's so exciting. Awesome. Yeah, we're very, very excited. Excited. Well, I look forward to seeing both horses and seeing Lizzie 
um, you guys all very soon. And thank you so much for being on the show with us, Wes. And um, we look forward to the future. Are you tired of treating your horse for soreness? Well, then be proactive. Benefab offers you and your horse a natural remedy to joint and muscle stiffness, inflammation, and circulatory deficiencies. Benefab offers a variety of innovative products, like saddle pads and polo wraps and quarter sheets for your horse, and socks and blankets for you. Simply ride in it or wear it and feel the difference Benefab's ceramic-infused products make. You can check them out online at BenefabProducts.com, or you can call them toll-free at 855 855- Nine five seven eight three seven eight. Up next will be Kai Hunt, who's our chef de keep of the U.S. Paradisage team. Kai, thanks so much for coming on the show today with Ellie and I. You're welcome. Great to have you. So I want to I want to talk about uh, what I want to talk about is how right now you're preparing the riders for the wake selection trials that are coming up in the national championship. Okay. Um, a short uh, feedback on what happened so far. Currently, I think we have 23 riders qualified for the national championship, which is significant more than we had in the previous years. We have uh, 14 riders in the top 85 in the FEI world ranking list. We had one rider in the top 100 last year in the world ranking list, mm-hmm. and currently we have we are currently in second place. Your team in the FEI world ranking list last year, 14, you were second last. So our riders are doing extremely well this year due to the fact that they have been competing at our national CPEDIs, and we're trying to push that issue more that they go more to national CPEDIs. We need to support the. Uh, Organizers need the support for the nationals. We are having a seminar set up. Currently, we have a seminar starting Saturday for the Wounded Warriors program, which will be at my place. We seem mm-hmm. to have a very good, very good resonance on that. So we don't know how many we expect, but the Kitty, who is the person in charge of the Wounded Warrior program, told us that she has already quite a few applicants for that. So we hope we get a pretty big crowd here. Plus, a bunch of sponsors and supporters, everything coming out too to take a look at that. Uh, the riders are all currently with their trainers. You know, every now that I'm national advisor, I'm in charge of coaching the coaches, but all the individual riders. But uh, the way it looks right now, everybody's been competing, which we highly recommend it to everybody. They do go, go to horse shows. So I think in the last three weeks, everybody that competes at the national championships is in top rankings has been competing successfully. They've been going to local shows. A couple of riders have been gone to Europe, have competed over there. So you're going to start. I'm going to be up there on Thursday before the championships and hope that we get everybody a little tune-up before we go into the actual championships. I'm pretty excited about it because we have probably four times as many riders competing in the 70s now as we ever had before. So they're getting very competitive on the international level and the worldwide level too. That's great. And as you were saying, a lot of our riders have been on the road lately nationally. And what is so important about our riders being out there nationally and maybe not necessarily going going overseas if, if they don't have to? What's important for, for our riders to be doing that? Well, the riders need to understand that judges are humans too. 
And if you're not right in front of the judges, the judges have never seen you, have never compared you to anybody, you are not in the ranking list, which the FEI ranking list is doesn't uh, for the individual ranking, it doesn't matter what horse you ride. You can ride as many horses as you want, get points for everybody. So if you want to go up in the FEI ranking list, get a bunch of horses, compete a bunch of shows, and you got to move up in the ranks. For the uh, team ranking list, it's the uh, combined team score for our team competing in the CPDI four-star or better. So it's very important for these riders to get themselves ranked, to get themselves in front of the judges, and compete at the CBDI level so you know where you really are at. The CBDI judges will score you the same way here in the United States as will score you in Europe, especially where we always will have some foreign judges in there. Anyhow, you have to. And that way the riders know where they're at with their ranking, they know where they're at with their scores, they know what they have to work on. At the local show level, with just one individual judge, it's often hard to get a true picture of where you're at as far as your scores go, if you are competitive internationally, if you have to get more training, your horse more trained, or even have to get a better horse, you wouldn't know at that point in time. And lots of people go to a CPDI, they've been competing locally, getting really good shows, or the schooling shows and other things, and they go to CPDI and they get a big scare, because all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, you know, I get like 59%, this is horrible. And that's a big eye-opener, and then you got to learn, if you want to compete internationally, you got to be in the 70s these days, and you got to make sure that you get these scores and get the right horse and the right training and everything to compete at that level. And I highly stress that they need to go to our U.S. CPDIs. There seems to be more organizers stepping up and giving us more opportunities to compete at their shows. And so mm-hmm. we hope for next year that we really increase the amount of people they're going because we're looking at an Olympic year, planning ahead for two years for 2016 for Rio de Janeiro. We need to see that we get the U.S. team ranked as high as we can and get as many people ranked as high as we can. So they're looking good for Rio, where we hope we can get a medal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so those are so now we've had a lot of new horses and riders that are um, are going into the selection trials for the WAG. Um, and how do you see that forming a team? Um, well, obviously it's going to be. Um, uh, how do you see that leading a bunch of new faces over into um, the competition? Well, currently our team selection criteria has not changed from the London Olympics. So we would take the top four, I believe, mm-hmm. in the, in the uh, qualifying criteria. They already had to have, let me step back a little bit here, they already had to have a 63% in mm-hmm. the CPEDI to even be eligible to compete in the WAC trial. And the ones that I think we have 15 right now, they make the criteria. Mm-hmm. And uh, of those 15, the top four will be chosen to go to the World Equestrian Games. And yep. according, we will have you know we will have a veterinarian there, our team vet. Uh, Duncan will be out there, Duncan Peters, and we'll mm-hmm. inspect all the horses. Plus, I think we're doing mandatory drug testing for everybody. So once they pass all those criteria, maybe I should go to the World Equestrian Games. Mm-hmm. And um, what are your goals to accomplish at the World Equestrian Games um, going well, we forward? Have very, we have a very new team. We have some very new riders. I'm just, I think I'm at the job for 45 days now. So mm-hmm. I didn't have too big an expectation when we started because last year, like we said, we were not second last in the world ranking list. We only had one rated rider in the top 
hundred in the United States. Now this year, while well, the question games comes along, all of a sudden we have a very large amount of very good new talent coming out. We had mm-hmm. a very good showing in Florida. We had a very good showing in California. The U.S. team won in California. We are mm-hmm. currently second in the world ranking list, so we moved up quite a bit. So I think the our chances for the World Equestrian teams are looking better and better. We have some mm-hmm. good young horses. We have some uh, good seasoned riders, and we have a large amount of very good new young riders. And I think we should have a quite competitive team for the World Equestrian Games. And I always hope mm-hmm. to get a medal. So we'll see if we get our team together good. If we have a strong team competition, our scores are good enough. We hope for a team medal. And the individuals are going to be tough simply due to the fact currently most of the British riders are showing in the 80s. They brought mm-hmm. their team to some of the European shows. And they were still winning everything. And some of the other European countries are getting very strong. Denmark is coming back. They're a little bit downer, but they're coming back right now. Germany hasn't shown that much, but they're picking up pretty good too right now. They have a lot of new young riders in Germany too. So those mm-hmm. are like the three top teams in the world over the last years. Canada currently is number one in the world ranking list. They did beat us by a tiny little bit in Florida, but we're jumping on their heels pretty good. So we, we hope that by the way, we have everybody very competitive and have all the horse competitive and arrive at a very sound and competitive team over there. Excellent. Sounds like you, a good plan. You were, ta- you, were, you were talking about the uh, young riders, and I've heard that um, in 2015 that we are going to be able to include the Terra Dressage Young Rider team in the North American Young Rider Championship. Is this true? Um, I'm not fully aware of that yet. I know we did two years ago with Jonathan Wentz. Uh, three years ago, sorry. We did a demo event at the North American Young Rider Championship. So I heard there's talk about it. They want to add it to it. Canada is a big supporter of that. They have a large junior team. The U.S. has quite a few young riders coming up now, too. So I hope we get included. I haven't gotten any confirmation on that yet. I know that it's in the works right now, and the committees are talking about it. So I hope we're getting them in there. That would help the sport a lot to get more people from the base and get more young riders and upcoming riders involved at an earlier age for the sport, which is until now kind of handicapping us. If you see the British team who has 800 riders at the national championship, to the fact that they start their kids off when they're five and six years old, and we don't really have any competitive dressage programs for the kids to mm-hmm. ride in. Our programs already started at the international level, which is age 17, so we don't really have much going on as far as the kids go, or the kids can be able to compete or getting into the program. And that's really something that we need to have due to the fact you need to raise your own young riders, your own competitive riders. And I'm a big supporter of getting a larger base of riders there, which will make in the end a better team because you simply have more to choose from and you have a broader space that you can pick from. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, in addition to expanding, to hopefully expanding to the um, North American Junior Young Rider Championships, um, what is the status on trying to move forward and including um, including us in the Pan American Games? Um, the Pan American, it's called the Para Pan Games. They will be back in 2015 in Toronto, Canada. We talked to the organizer. They maybe, maybe, double line, uh, willing to give us a test event out there. But at this point, they're not really willing to end, uh, to add uh, para-dressage to the para-pen games, which is mm-hmm. surprising to me because the para-pen has been around for a long, long time, but they never had any horse events in there. 
So it's a very mm. big cost for the organizer to add horses. So I think they're not really happy about adding that. But the test event is a good mm. start. And then we hope you can put together, uh, work together with the uh, Canadian and the Mexican team. We make a little pressure on them and hope that you can get them involved and add it to the parapet. Yeah. That's what we need to do in North America. We all need to get involved and, and put our thoughts together and get some more shows under you know under our, our belts and get some more three stars within the North American um, continent. Yeah, that's correct. And it's getting easier now since the U.S. judges space has gotten quite a bit bigger now since I started in this what, six years ago. We had, I think, one para judge. I think we're now up to 24. They're not all three stars above, but they're on the works. We're getting a lot of interest from different judges. They are interested in the sport now. The publicity is getting bigger. We've picked up some very, very exciting sponsors this year. There's a lot of support there. We're working very good with the Wooded Veterans Program of America. So there's some support there, too. So we're obviously getting some support coming in for the para sport now. The base is getting bigger. The advertising is getting bigger. We hope we're getting some TV and radio coverage on this more on national TV and radio and that they get more sponsors and have more events available and making the events more interesting to the organizer, which simply the organizer needs to break even on these events. They don't want to sponsor and pay for them all the time. But if you got a broader space, broader base, in Florida we had 25 para horses. We were the biggest, the biggest group out there. So um, at that point, if you get the California event and some other ones to add to it, kind of the same size, then the organizers will be very happy to run these events and it will be better for everybody. Plus, they will raise the level of competition, which is always a good thing. Yeah. And you mentioned the veterans program. I know you have coming up, um, you have a veterans weekend and we have a couple of veterans on our team, including Derek Perkins. And tell me about what's happening this weekend at, at your farm. Um, we, uh, we organized it with Kitty, who is the head of the Air Force Wounded Warrior Project, since Derek Perkins is a Wounded Warrior and is currently in the world ranking list and trying out for the raid, uh, we got this thing organized. We're starting this Saturday at 12 o'clock. We will have the Warriors coming out. We invited the other armed services, too. We will not just have the Air Force, but the Army and the Navy involved, too. I don't think the Navy is too far away from us, but the Army showed some interest in it, too. So we have demonstrations coming up. I have a couple of our U.S. team members out here. They will write demonstrations. We will do some able-body demonstrations. We have uh, Mrs. Wentz out here, who will be one of our national classifiers. She will explain the classification process for everybody. Uh, we're going to give a seminar and an introduction to Paradisage. So the Wounded Warriors, what is available to them, that we are the only aspect Olympic discipline available to them. And hope you got a big turnout on that. It will go afternoon. We have uh, quite a few sponsors coming out. We have some current sponsors, some new ones to interest in the sport. They're coming out to look at the whole thing. So we hope you get a good turnout on that. And it's the first time anybody's doing something like this. So we hope you get a good start and make that an annual or biannual thing and hope you uh, have the same thing in different parts of the United States. We're trying to get other centers and more coaches involved into the program now. So the idea would be probably a fourth center spread over the United States where coaches can address the program, do seminars, and do similar things, so it's uh, easier for people to get to. As we know, the United States yeah. are very, very big, and travel is all our, always our biggest problem. 
So with being a little bit more spread out and having multiple venues where we can do these kind of seminars or fundraisers will probably help a lot. Yeah, we need to get our veterans involved in our equestrian sport. I think it's great that you're doing that. And uh, I also want to thank you uh, for coming on the show today. It's, uh, we've really enjoyed speaking with you. I know I, mm-hmm. I both Ellie and I have had a great time. And um, we look forward to hearing what happens with the selection trials and the national championships and, and how everything goes in France for you guys. Okay. Thank you very much. Jen here, host of the Horse Tip Daily Show on the Horse Radio Network. The way consumers interact with the brands they have trusted for years and those they are about to fall in love with for the first time is becoming more and more mobile, literally, and will continue to do so for the foreseeable future. Podcasts or internet radio shows like this one combine the new consumer preference for on-demand information and entertainment with the power of niche market audiences. Advertising on the Horse Radio Network podcasts allows you to reach the equestrian consumer using today's preferred on-demand delivery system. It's cost-effective and flexible, able to reinforce your existing marketing and social media strategies. To learn more about advertising on this show or any of the shows on the Horse Radio Network, contact us at 859-951-2022 or you can email us at glenn at horseradionetwork.com. That's glenn with two N's at horseradionetwork.com. Come and join the Horse Radio Network family. You'll enjoy the ride. Listen to all the shows on the Horse Radio Network on the free phone app. Go to the iOS or Android app store and search for Horse Radio Network. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search for Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. You can learn more about the United States Paraquestrian Association at USPEA.org and on Facebook. Don't forget to check out all the other shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. And remember, one man's wrong lead is another man's counter canner. Mm-hmm.